three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglua. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to preview the Bears-Packers game in just a moment, plus a brand-new interview today with Cole Wright. Host of Baron Central's and Cubs pre and post game coverage on the Marquee Sports Network. Talk with them extensively about the Bears' big win, Cubs baseball, and so much more. It's a great interview. Comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John's Gluel. You can watch more of this show. Head on over to SportstalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this. It's going to be hard for me to pick the Bears to win on Sunday. Not because I'm a Bears hater or a Packers fan. It's just because of history. Aaron Rodgers against the Bears on Sunday Night Football. 23 touchdowns, no picks, six games. (laughs) That's unbelievable. I will say, history does not define the present day. The Bears aren't being coached under Matt Nagy or Mark Trestman or John Fox. They have a new quarterback, new GM, a different mindset overall, and it showed last week in their win over the 49ers. The Packers have lost Devontae Adams, and it's clear that they're really hurting with that. It's going to be a completely different game under many different circumstances. That said, it's still the Packers, it's still Aaron Rodgers, and it's still primetime football. I think it's important to note, though, that this Bears team is obviously different. We saw it last week. Forced two takeaways. Justin Fields turned it on in the second half enough to lead the Bears to a win. Talked about this on the recap video. Men that have had the best stats. May not have thrown for 500 yards and four touchdowns, but he was a leader more than a passer. And that's okay as a quarterback. Alex Smith was a leader more than a passer. There are so many people we could go down the list about who were better leaders than passers, still won games, and still led teams to meaningful games in the playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. That's not a knock on fields at all, and that's also his first game in a new offensive scheme in year two of his NFL career. It's only going to get better. Maybe we'll see more on Sunday. Point is, the Bears came to play. We saw it. There was definitely a different attitude, more aggressiveness, and a hunger to win, which we haven't seen out of the Bears in quite a long time, to me at least. It's been a long time since the Bears have just been hungry to win, really. Matt Eberflus did a good job at 
changing the culture at the player level to instill that inside of them. Remember this too, the Packers are hurting. It might just be one game, and everybody's going to tell you, don't judge them on one game, but I'll tell you what. Devontae Adams is gone forever. (laughs) Not just one game. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to adjust, and it's going to be a learning process for him. When the Bears face the Packers again later this year, probably going to be a whole different story. The Packers may end up crushing the Bears. But in this situation, with everything being so new for both sides, this is not going to be a blowout. Aaron Rodgers needs to find a new preferred wide receiver. And oh yeah, the one guy that the Bears passed on, Watson, he dropped a potential 70-yard touchdown pass last week. So it may not be him. Alan Lazard, limited in practice, and with David Bakhtari, the Packers are on their back legs. They're on their heels, not on their toes, and that may lead to a different sort of game on Sunday, one that we're not used to seeing from the Bears. A lot of people upset, including Todd Berman, friend of the program. Bears fans should be worried. I don't think it's a matter of worry. Actually, there should be no worry from Bears fans. What do we have to lose? That's the attitude that I saw last week, even from this Bears team. What do the Bears have to lose? Really? No one's expecting anything out of them, anything meaningful. People said 2-14, and 2-15. and 15. People said top five pick. People said tanking. Nobody said, oh, they're going to beat the 49ers week one and make Trey Lance look like an idiot. And they did. Bears fans have no reason to be worried. If anything, it's the Packers. Everybody's expecting the Packers to win. The Packers are 10.5-point favorites in this game. They should be the ones worried, not you. Bears fans, Bears players, the Bears themselves have nothing to worry about. If they lose, we all saw it coming. We knew that they were going to lose. It's the Packers. It's Sunday Night Football. What do you expect? The pressure is going to be on Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers starts 0-2 without Devontae Adams and loses to the Bears on Sunday Night Football, who has the pressure in that situation? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, the Packers, not the Bears. And if Rodgers wins, the Bears lose, they keel over. So what? We're not expecting a playoff appearance. We're not expecting anything of significance from this team, from Justin Fields, from nobody. We're expecting this to be a rebuild year anyway. That's the thought process. Bears fans should be worried. Really. Packers fans should be worried. If the Bears upset them, It's going to be chaos on Monday in Green Bay. (laughs) Really, the rebuilding Bears beat you on Sunday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers looked horrible, had no wide receivers. Justin Fields improved. The Bears' defense played well. Think about that storyline. Versus the opposite, which is, oh, the Packers won. We all expected it. The Bears have nothing to lose. The Bears have nothing to worry about. They're just playing. As a team, it showed in week one, it's going to show on Sunday, too. Don't listen to the Bears being worried narrative. It's wrong. It's a national narrative, and it's wrong. I don't care what the odds say. I don't care what the betting lines 
say. We already know that the national media is biased in their coverage of the Bears. We've already proven that many a time. So last week, I told you the Bears would lose by seven points, according to the betters, and the Bears won. This week, the Bears are plus ten and a half. Pick the Bears. Even if the Bears lose, pick the Bears. Same idea. It wears me out sometimes. People are not thinking about the human element in football and sports and anything. This is not some simulation. This is not robots playing. This isn't Madden 23. It's real football with real people. Anything's possible. Anything can happen. Aaron Rodgers could have another crappy game. He'll have nobody to throw to. Justin Fields could turn it on. The Bears' defense could force Rodgers to fumble. Anything's possible. The idea that the Bears should be worried is nonsense. Don't let anybody tell you that. It's so wrong. Rodgers is 20-7 and seven against the spread against the Bears. Packers have won 11 straight games after a loss and are perfect 11-0 and 0 against the spread. I don't care. Different year, different circumstances. Different year, different circumstances. This isn't Matt Nagy Bears football. This isn't Mark Trestman Bears football. This isn't Jay Cutler. Mitch Trubisky even. This is Justin Fields with Matt Eberflus, with the renewed culture and mindset, the hits principle, versus Aaron Rodgers without his number one wide receiver forever. Forever. And a Green Bay team that's 0-1 and got humiliated by the Vikings. Have we ever seen this sort of scenario play out between the Bears and Packers? Usually the Packers are in first place already, and they have nothing to worry about, or it's early in the season. I can't remember a situation in which the Bears and Packers faced off primetime, and the Bears upset a team, and the Packers got their ass kicked. And Aaron Rodgers didn't have his number one wide receiver, and the Bears had a new head coach and GM and a second-year quarterback. No. This is a different situation. If I had to guess right now, this is going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be particularly high scoring, but I do think at this moment the Bears are going to lose. It's going to be close. I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to experience. And that's not a knock on Justin Fields. It's just the truth. I love Justin Fields. I think he had a very good game on Sunday, a game of growth and development for sure, which is the point. But I think when he's going to pace off against Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter, it's going to be a one-score game. Aaron Rodgers will pull what Aaron Rodgers always pulls. A ball out of his ass and a win when nobody expects it. That's going to be the issue. I think it's going to be a one-possession game. I think the Packers will win this one 28-24. That's it. I'll say this. Don't be surprised if the Bears win again. It's going to be raining on Sunday. Fair weather. Packer weather, though, too. Both teams are very accustomed to playing in bad weather. It's not going to be particularly high scoring. It's not going to be a 35-30 game. 28-24, Packers win for now. But if the Bears win, I'm going to be the happiest guy in the world. And I'm telling you right now, this is different than years past. This is not that bad of a Bears team. And the Packers, meanwhile, are reeling and struggling. Don't be surprised if the Bears win. Don't be surprised if it's a close game. It's not going to be a blowout, I'll tell you right now. The Bears are not going to let that happen to themselves. 
They have too much heart, and they have too much care and pride in the way they play. Maybe they didn't last year with Matt Nagy. Maybe they didn't a couple of years ago with John Fox and Mark Trespin. But they do with Matt Eberflus. They have pride in the way they play. Something I love. They're not going to let the Packers blow them out. And even if the Packers win, they're not going to be happy, and there's going to be a hunger next time they play to win again. We have to remember that. Different team. Don't listen to the national narrative. Don't even give it the time of day. Just tune it out. Don't watch ESPN. Don't watch Fox Sports. Think about it for yourself. Think about the situation we're in. This is not, oh, 16-0 in years past. No, it's a new year, new team, new situation. That's the problem with reciting the past. It doesn't always show the full picture, what we talk about today. Sure, Aaron Rodgers might have dominated the Bears after a loss or on Sunday Night Football, but he had Devontae Adams. He had different coaches over the years, different offensive schemes. He was in a better mindset and isn't as crazy as he is now. So many different factors that go into it. The Bears had nothing. Different coaches, all of them who sucked and were failures and got fired. Different quarterbacks, all of them who sucked and who were failures to an extent and were either traded or released. It's a way different story. But one of these games, they probably faced Matt Barkley, and then they're quoting these stats and saying, oh, watch out for Aaron Rodgers. Well, of course you're going to dominate the Bears when Matt Barkley's starting. Of course you're going to dominate the Bears when Jake Cutler was even starting. Of course you will. Different situation. I won't say the Bears will win, because I know Aaron Rodgers. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And regardless, it's going to be a close game. Do me one paper, all of you watching. Just don't worry. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens in this game. The results mean nothing. They really don't. The Bears are not going to be a great team, and nobody's expecting them to. And if they do... It's a pleasant surprise, like the 2015 Cubs. Pleasant surprise. Nobody expects it. It's okay either way. It really is. But if they win, big deal. Huge deal for the division, for the Bears standing in the national media. I mean, unbelievable if it happened. But don't worry about it. If that's something you can do. Doesn't matter. If the Packers win, we're all going to say, yeah, we knew it. If the Bears win, it's going to be a pleasant surprise. If it's a close game, it's going to be a pleasant surprise. There's no need to worry. The idea that Bears fans should worry about a team that was supposed to go 2-15 or that was supposed to get a top pick or that was supposed to be one of the worst teams in football is ridiculous. So now we have to worry? After you buried us all offseason, now we have to worry about the Bears and the Packers. Oh, watch out. Better worry. No. It doesn't matter what happens. And if the Bears win, good for the Bears. The Bears have nothing to lose. Remember that. Repeat that to people you know. The Bears have nothing to lose in this game. Absolutely nothing. Nothing to lose. They're going to play their hearts out like they did last week, and we'll see what happens. That's all you could say. If they win, great. If they lose, fine. What's the old term? They're playing with house money. They really are. They have a huge cap space situation coming into next year. They are not expected to do anything of significance this year. The Packers, meanwhile, if they lose and they go to 0-2, sound the alarm. Because Aaron Rodgers is a crybaby, and chances are Matt LaFleur is going to be on the hot seat. Watch 
If the Bears win, watch next week. Somebody is going to write an article, mark my word, saying Matt LaFleur is on the hot seat. When really, it's because Rodgers is too greedy, got rid of Devontae Adams, got rid of his best wide receiver, and now he's in trouble. That's the difference. It's so easy to find narratives when you cover this stuff for a long enough time. I always say the NFL is about parity. Well, parity means the same teams always come back or different teams switch it up every year. Headlines and storylines in the NFL are all about parity. You can already see it. You can already see somebody writing saying, oh, Packers started 0-2, Rodgers isn't happy, time to fire Matt LaFleur. How many people has Aaron Rodgers gone through? Assistants, head coaches, wide receivers, it's a him problem. He might be a great quarterback, but it's a him problem, and that's why he's never going to win another Super Bowl. That's why he's stuck at one of them. That's why he's been stuck at one. Nobody talks about it. Nobody makes a big deal about it, but if you want to call Aaron Rodgers an amazing quarterback, how about you win another Super Bowl or two? If you're supposed to be a great quarterback, win more. And what's the explanation? Oh, my coach sucked, my team sucked, my wide receivers sucked. How about you suck? That's another idea, too. How about you suck? How about you should stop with your attitude and play freaking football and win? Don't listen to the critics, okay? Take it from me. Don't listen to them. This is going to be a close game. I don't think the Bears are going to win, but it's going to be close. And if they do, we're going to have a big celebration here on Monday. And I'll be the first person in the world congratulating them. Because that would be an epic upset. And I'll tell you what, it's going to send a message throughout the entire league that the Bears are much better than people thought. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Cole Wright comes up next, so stay tuned. Talk Chicago. Ever Johnson Glowland, we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the host of Bears Essentials and Cubs pre and post game coverage on the Marquee Sports Network. Please welcome Cole Wright to the program. Cole, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well, John. Great to be here once again, man. How you been? I've been great. Great to see you all over the place on Marquee. Bears Essentials, especially, and that uh, was a pretty nice start to the season for the Bears on Sunday, huh? That it was, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't see that one coming. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the new turf, the Bermuda grass being put in, and if you had to guess one or the other, which team would be a little faster on that turf, I would have gathered it would have been San Francisco. But with the way that defense looked and then the, the offense did just enough to go out there and get Ws, we saw Justin Fields almost as if that evolution process really began for us in the second half. I mean, he, he and the Bears came out. It looked like a completely different squad in that second half. And, I mean, that's really what you want to see from that team. I mean, with, with Matt Eberflus, if things don't go right initially, you want to see the uh, ability to adjust. And that, that's not just with Matt Eberflus. That's with any team that anyone is a big-time fan of. If your squad is down, if if, if they're not in, in, in a perfect situation, how do they adjust? How do they deal with adversity? And that's what we saw with this Bears team. They dealt with an adverse situation, the rain not playing up to their expectations. I mean, I'm sure fans out, out there were, had a little something to say, and then they came out and, and made it look like, well, this team been playing together for quite some time. And the, the way Justin Fields got that ball to Gary Pettis, or Gary Pettis, Dante Pettis, I'm, I'm thinking his <laughs> hands look so good. He looked like a five-time gold glover like his pops, <laughs> Gary Pettis. 
but and, and then the 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 one he threaded the needle to uh to ESB at famous St. Brown. I'm, I I liked what I saw, and, and like I said, you know, I, I work at FanDuel as well as as marquee, and I, I picked the 49ers to go out there and win 21 to 14. I didn't. I, I thought the under was going to hit, which it did, but I also thought that the Bears weren't going to be able to put up a fight against San Francisco, and they and they proved me wrong. They did. How impressed were you with Fields' recovery? I mean, he had a 2.8 passer rating after one half, came back out, and essentially helped win the game in the second half. I mean, it showed me what he's made of. I, I mean, last year we didn't really get, you know, a, a full snapshot or the, the 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 entire glimpse that we wanted to see from him. I, I know we got to see him, you know, for the for the bulk of the season, but it was underneath Matt Nagy. I mean, come on, man! Like, I, 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 honestly, is Matt Nagy's offense the offense that you want to see Justin Fields in? And you know, right now it looks as if that second half Matt Eberflus offense is the offense that you you want to see him him in and. You know, I, I feel good about his adjustments that he made, like you said. And I, I feel good about the way he was able, you know, to get after it and, and to rally the troops. I mean, that's that shows the mark of a leader as well. And I, the slip and slide dive at the end, that was pretty. That was pretty sweet as well. Can't can't deny that one. I was going to say it seemed like he was more a leader than a passer throughout the game, and it showed. I mean, they won, and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the the Pettis touchdown, that that essentially was a broken play. Him scrambling around, trying to find that open play. You want him to look more like Russell Wilson did seven years ago in Seattle, not like on Monday Night Football, and especially not in that <laughs> post game press conference with a with a, a a mint green tuxedo on and a bow tie. You, you don't want Justin Fields <laughs> looking like that. No disrespect to Rusts and that two hundred forty five million over five and one hundred sixty five guaranteed. However, that's that's not really what you want. But you want him to look more like Russell Wilson than Lamar Jackson at times. There's times you want him to look just like Lamar Jackson, but you'd want him to be more like Russell because he buys time, finds the open play, and then with his ability to scramble, plays break down, guys get open on the other side, boom, that translates to touchdown. So it, are you going to go up against a team like San Francisco defensively that, that breaks down like that? Look at the Bears' schedule. They don't play a whole bunch of world beaters. And you know, I didn't have the highest expectations for the Bears entering this season. However, if you can win the games that you're not supposed to win and win the games that you are supposed to win on paper, it might be all right this year, man. Are they going to be like a fringe playoff team? Do you see them contending for a spot or making it? I mean, I, the, I'm not going to go out on that limb just quite yet, even though I know that you go out on a limb, that's where the juiciest fruit is at. So <laughs> if you go and get that, it's going to sound good right now. I don't know if I want to say that. Week two, because you know what? We're going to have to reconvene after the, the Green Bay <laughs> meeting because I don't think Green Bay is what we saw week one, and I don't necessarily think that the Bears are what we saw week one. I think the Bears are closer to what we saw week one than the, than the Packers are because like we, we've seen the Packers go down and, and lay an egg week one before in Tampa and versus the Saints, and we saw everything just flip right back around. So I, I don't. One thing, you know, I when I, I don't put a whole bunch of wagers down. I like to give wagering advice. But one thing I do not do is bet against winners and champions. Aaron Rodgers, he's a winner. He's a champion. And until he shows me otherwise, you got you to gotta tread on thin ice there. So it's going to – I think it's going to be a good matchup, Green Bay and Chicago. But, I, I mean, would, would you bet the house against Aaron Rodgers to lose to the Bears at Lambeau? Definitely I, I not. Wouldn't, that wouldn't be. It wouldn't be smart. I mean, it could happen, 
100% it could happen. Will it? I don't know. Cole Bryant here on Sports Talk Chicago. Cole, how impressed were you with the defensive effort from the Bears, too? A couple of takeaways really uh, helped them out win that game, too. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of people said, well, that was a, that was a circumstance of the, the weather <laughs> being how it was. Well, guess who else played in that? San Francisco. They had to play in that, too. Like, when, when people make weather excuses, even if it's from the side that you're on, you know, my daughter played a tournament down, a softball tournament down in Texas. And my mom came back and she was like, well, it was 23 degrees with the wind chill. And I can't believe <laughs> my mom, my mom, stop that. The other team had to play in it too. And we lost. You have to be better. The, the, the circumstances, they will arise. And the defense, they took full advantage of, of what was going on. The elements, they, they play a part as well. It's, you know, that, that was the 12th man. That was essentially their, their Seattle fan right there getting after it for him. And how will this, how would this game play out if or if it were in Arlington Heights in three years with, with a roof? Maybe a little bit different. The Bears took it full advantage of the elements. And it was, I mean, it was coming down sideways. And I knew, you know, l- later in the second half of the game that it was coming because at my house, I feel like the weather comes about 15 minutes before. And I was like, oh boy, here it comes. So I messaged my guys who were out, out in the further suburbs. And I'm like, it's about to get ugly. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. But it got ugly, and then it got pretty with the Bears' win. So you got to be happy about it. Are you expecting more of that philosophy defensively moving forward, even with good weather, uh, emphasis on takeaways, and, I mean, helping the Bears, in a sense, to uh, reverse field and win more games that way? Absolutely. It, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you see Matt Eberflus, the, you know, his philosophy, go ahead, go get the ball. And I, I feel like every defensive player – should think that way. You, you, are, are you wanting to stop the play and stop them from, from, from picking up ground? Yes. But one thing that you should always do is keep your eyes on that ball and try to get it. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like everyone always talks about peanut Tillman and the peanut punch. Why doesn't everyone play like that? It's, you know, it's, it's almost like if you flip things over to baseball, I mean, when you see how things go, but not a bunch of people, you know, subscribe to that thought process, it's like quick pitching. I have to have a pitch clock now. And guys pitch too slow. Why don't more pitchers pitch fast? A, a comfortable hitter is, 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 a, is a, a good hitter. And you would think that when you see certain things like that, that, that they would that people would clamp down on that and, and go for that football, just like pitchers you think would pitch a little quicker. That's not, not necessarily the case. And I think the teams that do go ball hunting, they're the ones that see some success in the long run. And I think that this Bears defense, if that if they want to make that their calling card, then they'll be all right. What do you think of Matt Eberflus and Brian Poles at the moment? So far, so good. I mean, I, do, do we have any reason to doubt them? I mean, one and oh. I mean, that's that, that's what you try to do. Herm Edwards, hello. You play <laughs> to win the game. <laughs> the game. I mean, that's what they did. They went out there. They won the game. You can only play the teams that are in front of you and on your schedule, and that's exactly what they did. They came out with the W. Cole Bryant here on Sports Talk Chicago. Cole, let's shift to some Cubs now. What's your take on their season so far? It's it's been a learning process. I, I mean, that's what I think a lot of people had to wrap themselves around from the very beginning. Um, we, we've seen some bright spots. We've seen some some nights so, not so bright spots. But you know, last night Javier Assad went out there and absolutely dealt. I mean, the way that this kid has pitched. Um, you know, entering the day, three of his four starts, he he allowed two earned runs or fewer. So that's what you want to see: building blocks towards that next great Cubs franchise, because let's be honest, there, there, there's needs. Every, everyone knows that there's needs. I mean, if you sit there and watch that team, like not only do the fans know that there's needs, not only do 
we as the broadcasters know that there's needs, but the front office, they know that there's things that, that, that needs to be, there, there are things that need to be done in order to be competitive within major league baseball. And I don't think that anyone's walking around, you know, not aware of that fact. And I, I think that that's one thing that they're going to do is, you know, Jed and Carter, they're going to go out there. They're going to scour the market. They're going to try it, to to do things organically within, you know, I mean, as much as it hurts my heart to say, they're going to try to take a St. Louis Cardinals approach. And there's a lot of talented pitching at this Cubs minor league level. I mean, you see every, every organization on the minor league level, except for the Iowa Cubs that they're in the postseason. Iowa Cubs, that was probably a, a, a it was probably an issue because so many guys were getting shuttled back and forth between Des Moines and the big club that it was hard for them to gain their footing. And when they finally did get back, you know, it's they'd be in a four game set and they'd already lost two. So that was a little bit tougher. But when you take a look at the, the young pitching and the way that they're trying to build within this organization, and then you add a, a free agent or two, you know, there's there's some guys out there who will be available. I mean, you know, Carlos Correa, he can opt out out of Minnesota. Um, Jacob DeGrom, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You're going to see him tonight. I mean, the guy lives at the 100, 102, throws, you know, crack tic tacs at you. I mean, ha have fun with that. I mean, how good would Jacob DeGrom look in another set of pinstripes that also involve Royal Blue? I mean, the, the Cubs uniform would look pretty sweet on him. Um, I don't know, Xander Bogarts. I mean, he's top five in Major League Baseball right now in, 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 in batting average, and he's a guy who. He came in with the Red Sox Fourth of July weekend. The Cubs, you know, weren't in the playoff race at that point in the season already, and it was sold out. I think Xander, having worked in Boston and realizing if your team is twelve games out at Fourth of July as a as a Red Sox fan, guess what's not going down? A full Fenway Park cheering at full throat, and that's what Xander Bogart saw when he came to Wrigley Field. He saw, okay, it it is different here. I know it is. It's a slogan. But it is a little bit different here. And there's guys that I work with that are from New York City and from uh, other parts. And they're like, this is crazy. Like, to, to see a, a, a ballpark sold out with all that energy when the team isn't, in, uh, isn't being competitive down the stretch, that's huge. And I think that's a huge selling point to a lot of free agents or guys that are, you know, are done with their contracts that potentially want a new start. And I think if you – I mean, take a look at Matt Mervis. I mean, I'm a big Matt Mervis fan. The guy's been down on the farm. He's been absolutely killing. He, I mean, 30-plus home runs, over 100 stakes. This is what you want in a guy. He plays first base. I mean, no disrespect to, to, to Frank Schwindel, but, you know, the injuries popped up, and he had to go back and forth. And Patrick Wisdom can play first base. He can also play third. But then that brings up the question of who's going to play third next year. What do you do with, with Nick Madrigal? Where's Nico Horner going to be? And there, there's just so many questions. Christopher Morrell, he, he, there's – there's so many guys who are so versatile, and then you add a few nice pieces of the puzzle there, just like that, you're rolling. Because a lot of guys like Hayden Wisniewski, what he showed you, he looks good. Javier Assad, some of the young guys, even Adrian Sampson, he goes out there and chews up innings. Will he be a frontline starter for you in that rotation? I, I don't think so, but does, does he have the, the, the kind of moxie, the, the kind of mindset that you want? I mean, the game before the All-Star break against the Mets, he said, you know what, I knew our bullpen was taxed. I knew we had the, the, the all-star break off, give guys a chance to rest. I, I thought in my head that I need to throw 150 pitches. Those are the kind of guys that I want to get the ball every fifth day. Whether your numbers are there or not, if you have that dog mentality, chances are your numbers will be there eventually. Are they willing to spend a lot of money this offseason? They, they, they say they are. I mean, I, I believe those. I mean, they, they come across the street and they talk to us. I mean, whether it's – it's Carter or it's Jed or it's Tom Ricketts. They they say they're going to spend, and I, I, I wholeheartedly believe them. I mean, 
they spent before. You, you look at 2014 and what it was able to bring in 2015 and then obviously 2016. And then just look at the neighborhood. I mean, people are like, oh, they're not going to spend. They're not going to look at the neighborhood. You think that they just uh, like, you know, dug into a cereal box and pulled out like, oh, a free remodeling for the whole Wrigleyville neighborhood. <laughs> like, no, that's not what happened. Like, it's it's not just a, a quick fix overnight, too. And it's not like you're seeing all kinds of teams just go oh, look at them. They go in there and they win back to back World Series. That, that's, that doesn't happen. Even when you spend a ton, back to back World Series are elusive. So it, for people to sit there. And always be in, in a negative mind frame and say, well, this isn't going on. Don't, don't be in that Dallas Cowboys state of mind where you think you can win three Super Bowl championships every single year. Because there's only one commissioner's trophy and only one team can win the World Series every year. So when people get you know, all up in arms and they think that, well, this has to be done and this has – it's it's not that easy to run a, a major league sporting franchise, especially major league baseball. A lot, lot of games, a lot of players, a lot of teams, big farm system. I think it's uh, if, if most people were saddled with that task of running a team, most people's squads would probably win about 45 games. And I'd say I'm pretty impressed with what the Cubs have done so far. This was supposed to be a 100-plus loss team, and I think they've done a pretty good job with what they've had on their roster, considering. Absolutely. And when you look at the way these guys fight, whether it's a, a player like P.J. Higgins, uh, who can be as versatile as they come, Christopher Morrell, I mean, in, in the National League Rookie of the Year conversation, what he's been able to do is has been unbelievable. And he can also play shortstop, third base, center field, where, wherever you really need him. And that's, I think that's kind of a sign of the times. You know, a lot of guys that have come up, uh, you know, that are younger, they can play more than one position. It's not as specialized. And I don't know if that's, you know, whether or not that's, if that's a byproduct of, of travel ball. I don't think Christopher Morrell was a big travel ball guy, but either way, <laughs> the, the fact that he can go and play multiple positions that's what that's kind of what you want you always want that kind of like that ben zobris guy who can go out there and get where do you need me okay let's go get this win what's the timetable for the cubs to be in a playoff team or even making the world series again i mean i don't know what the timetable is i mean i don't know how they have it up up in the up in the the fourth floor in the offices uh i would guess three-year window you would think i mean and for me I'm clearly no no one's general manager. I don't run anyone's baseball team, but you see these these long monumental deals being handed out to all kinds of different uh, top flight players in, in baseball. I would never do that. I wouldn't hand out a, a deal that long. I'd hand out three year deals. If you're a premier player, three year deal. Boom, we're gonna get you paid, but only for three years because we want to see what we can do in three years. The players that are cut below, you get two years. If you want to jump on and ride this ride this bus to a championship. You're going to get a one-year deal if you're just one of those one of those auxiliary piece guys. So three-year deals, two-year deals, one-year. It may be a little unconventional, but I mean, do you want to sit there and and mortgage the future like Fernando Tatis, who oh by the way, he had ringworms, so he had to take that you know that whatever that was. And, oh, by the way, you're in a 14-year deal, 14 years. Like, what were you doing 14 years ago, John? I was I in mean, middle I, school. I, mean, I, I was in freaking exactly, middle school. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you were worried about getting the best cookie in the lunch line that was soft in the middle, and you were worried about getting a, a rectangle slice of pizza on Fridays. It's it's A, a lot can change in 14 years, man, because we're sitting here talking right now. You know, it's funny, too. I remember back in the 90s, 80s, baseball, it was a lot of one-year, two-year, three-year deals like what you're talking about now. And, I mean, a lot of teams repeated back then, too. A lot more teams were more successful for a longer amount of time when they were operating under that standard compared to today. And you know what? It almost it, it almost seems 
like a, like a reversal. It seems like, okay, baseball teams are greedy. And you're like, huh? Like, well, look at their, they're giving these guys, but they don't want anyone else to, to have a chance at them. Like, that's the thing. Like, right. well, if, if you, if you did right by your player, who's my man up in, uh, up in Seattle, is it Julio Rodriguez? I, I mean, look at him. They signed him to a huge deal. That's fantastic. Good for him. That's guaranteed money. That's life changing money for everybody in his family. Chances are he, he would have, if he would have played and maybe, maybe hit the free market, could have gotten more over a shorter period of time. But these teams that try to lock their young stars up, I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily love it. You know, if you know what I mean, like, I don't know, 12 years, a 14 year deal, even 10 years. Like, look what they did with pool holes back in the day. And I was, I was of the mindset you should, ne- Albert Pujols should have never left St. Louis because he would have been the best player of all time on the second best baseball team, quote unquote. I hate saying that. It's good to sit there and call the Cardinals the second, but but it's it's a it's a fact. The only only team that has more World Series championships than the Cardinals is is the Yankees. Right. So, you know, for for Albert Pujols to have left for that big contract, and it looked it looked enticing. You say, okay, wow, look at all this extra money, and then he was like, oh wow, but th- this is California, and look at all those extra taxes. So, how much money more money did he really get? You know, that's why you have to look at those, those big deals. They're, they're good you know, for some, for the young guys who are trying to get that generational money. And who knows? I mean, it kind of, it kind of wards off injury and all things like that. However, I, I just think that it's almost the team uh, em, employing that, Hey, we're, we're the rich kids and we just want to buy up every single toy at the toy store. So none of the, none of the other kids can play with them. And that's, that's almost what it seems like to me. Is that the case? I don't know, but it seems almost greedy to lock up a player for 10 to 14 years. Padres have done that for years and it obviously hasn't worked for them either. Hasn't worked. Hasn't worked. And it's like, everyone's like, Oh yeah, look at that. Like, that's great. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. It's, and it's like when when they add Juan Soto, who, you know, I was on the record saying Juan Soto, he's, he's really good, but people were sitting there trying to call the best player in the game. The Juan Soto, he's but dudes batting two was batting two forty seven right at the time, <laughs> and that was right around Field of Dreams. And I was sitting there talking with one of my guys, and I have a picture that has Andre Dawson, Lee Smith, Ryan Sandberg, Billy Williams, Dave Concepcion, Tim Raines. Um, I'm forgetting some Barry Larkin. They're all sitting there, and I, I said to one of my buddies, I said, "Hey." Guys, remember that time? It was it was uh, the the end of July and beginning of August, and you were batting two forty seven, and they all would have been like, ah, <laughs> "That never happened." Two forty seven, and someone's giving a guy the best player in baseball label. Like, let's just stop that. Stop that. I'm, I'm tired of the batting average doesn't matter anymore because you take a look at guys who can absolutely swing it. They're still batting three hundred plus, man. And there's guys who are are flirting with it. Nico Horner, all year long, been right there. You know, there's a bunch of guys who can still hit 300. So batting average does matter. And every time you talk with Hall of Famers, what did they say? What did they try to do every season? They tried to hit 300. Everything else falls into place. You don't try to go out there and hit 40 home runs because that's what's going to happen. You're going to strike out a whole bunch. I don't mean to be that old guy in the barbershop, but that's just kind of how it is, man. Like I, You have to be able to put the ball in play. You can't just sit there and have hollow at bats with strikeouts. And I don't mind striking out. But when striking out is is it's okay, and it's like all right, big no big deal. And when you see certain guys that strike out, it's like they just walk back like it's like it was supposed to happen. Like I'm supposed to strike out at least once or twice a game. Like no 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 man, put the ball in play, just touch something, please. Especially with runners in scoring position. And I would say about half of players today would not last thirty years ago. Half the players today are hitting under two hundred. 
And that would not that would not be tolerated 30 years ago in the 80s. You would be sent down or you'd be out of baseball entirely. That's what I was I would you would think. I mean, as a kid, I don't remember seeing guys come up and uh, all right, here comes uh, player A. You know, it's it's late July, <laughs> early August, maybe beginning of September, and oh, look at he's batting 198. Huh? <laughs> 198. Like you got guys that are like on like Richard Simmons programs trying to lose weight just so they can bat their weight. It's like, if you're not batting your weight, man, you should be ashamed of yourself. I feel like there should be an honesty clause. If you can't bat your weight, you need to say, I need to go, I need to get, get sent down. It's never going to happen, <laughs> but you should be, you, it should be a pride thing. If you, if you step on the scale and you weigh 214 pounds and you're batting 211, got to go <laughs> out of there. What a comic cold ride in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. What do you make of the new rules, too? Pitch clocks and ships not being in effect anymore? What do you make of that coming up? I don't like the being able to outlaw the shift. Like our guy, Bruce Levine, he said it's fascist. You can't tell people where they can and can't play. <laughs> I, I just wish guys would be better hitters. I know it's easier said than done. However, you're a professional hitter. It's what you do. You get paid to, to put the ball in play. You know, just a, a few weeks ago, Willie Harris jumped in. We had batting practice video. Willie jumps in real quick. First three cuts. Yak, 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 opposite field, opposite field, opposite field. He, he hasn't been in the game in forever. I know it's just batting practice, but it's that structured BP that, okay, you get in there, drop down three drag bunts, three push bumps, two suicide squeezes, then you're hitting to the opposite field. Then you're going to hit and run. And then then you swing away. There, there's Like I said, there, there was a, a structured BP, and I feel like that's one of the things that, that Major League Baseball has gotten away from all across the board. When you see all kinds of BP, it's 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 a fan display. They want to show the fans how far they can hit the ball in the stands. And I feel like maybe when they're on the field, it's translated a little bit more because it, it is a little more in vogue for people to get there earlier. I mean, not to say that we didn't do that back in the day, but now that, that there's things that are televised and they, there's there's more – they're getting more B-roll for, for pregame shows. So there there is more of, of a fan fan feeling, you know, for batting practice. So, But at the end of the day – it should be a, a, a small part of practice. It's called batting practice. So practice what you are intending to do. And it sounds crazy, but you know, when I work with my daughter and, and her team is they're they're an elite squad. They got second in the country out out in Huntington Beach. You know that they're, they're they're really good. But when I talk with my daughter, I always tell her, I'm like, you don't practice things that you'll never do. Like she'll be like, oh, let's do. I'm like, you'll never do that. So why would you practice that? You practice things that come up maybe even in small sample sizes, but don't practice something that you would never do. Like, but she wants to sometimes go in the batting cage and, 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 and slap lefty. You're, you're not lefty. You're not a slapper. <laughs> so, I mean, we can, we can do it when we're done practicing what you want to do or what needs to get done, but it's almost just, it's like that with that, with every team. Like, you know, when it comes to hitting, let's, let's take that, that narrowed and focused approach guys. Let's, let's, let's work on hitting the ball the other way with the man on second. So he, so we can score that run. Just all the little things. And maybe because my, when I played my, my, my coach in junior college, he was all about stealing and stopping, hitting and running. Let's manufacture runs. Let's We got one hit one time and scored three runs. So it's just things like that that allow you to stay in a ball game. And there's, there's more than one way to win. So why aren't you in the dugout for the Cubs? <laughs> I don't think I have the credentials. But it's, it's funny, though. 
there's there's guys uh you know we sit around and you know with, with different analysts and you know one of my one of my coordinating producers he played baseball at Arizona State we sit there and we watch some of these things and we're, and we're like geez I'm, could, could we ever you know I, mean, I know you always want to say you know fantasy wise and looking at teams but and I I think that just all across the board too well I don't know if you watched uh the the captain the the Derek Jeter uh special but they're uh Gene Michael stick. When it came to evaluating players, he had you know there's uh, there's the five tools you want to look at, but he he went deeper. There's there's two other like, there's two other things. I don't know specifically. I don't remember what exactly they were, but mental makeup was one of them. Like I want to know what is this guy? Who is he? How does he compete? Like if he's a closer, I, it, I I almost think that he had to have been in a fist fight at some point. If you've never been in a fist fight, and you're a closer. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, you want a guy that you're going to feel good walking down a dark alley with, you know. So I feel like there's other things that come into play when it comes to that evaluation process. And, I, I mean, everyone thinks they can do it when you're on the outside looking in. But like I said, there, there's so much that goes into, you know, being at the top of a, of a team's food chain. I mean, Jed and Carter, those guys had their hands full. Like, Jed even joked around. He's like, look how gray my hair is compared to when I started this. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know where I would, I could go from there. I mean, my hair's already falling out. I mean, would I my my beard would fall out and turn gray after that? Like, I don't know. That's that's a lot. Of those I I tip my cap to all those guys in Major League Baseball. That is a very stressful job. You're away from home a lot. You know, being in being in the dugout and traveling. That's 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 certainly that's some serious work, man. I don't I don't know if my family would uh would want me gone. Maybe they would. Maybe I don't know. Maybe did, did my wife put you up to that question? <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. See if we can get him in the dugout immediately. Yeah. Cole, before we finish up today, last question. What's your bold offseason prediction for the Cubs moving forward? It's, I don't know if it's bold, but I, I'm going to go on a limb and say they're going to get a big-time shortstop that could play third base, second base. I mean, we want to play the shell game with Nico and Patrick Wisdom or Nick whoever, and they're going to get a top-flight big arm. I mean, is it Jacob deGrom? Uh, is it Justin Verlander? I don't know. I mean, I would I wouldn't hate either one of them. I would I would prefer Justin Verlander though. I mean, if I, I know Jacob Degrom stuff is electric, but Verlander's a winner, man. You know, it's a you have to when you when you look at guys who have are tested and true. It's like I I you you can never discount stuff if a guy has really good stuff. I mean, that's what it is. But there's also something to be said for a guy who has really good stuff and goes out there and wins it and, and puts it on the line. And Justin Verlander's a dog, man. Like, if, 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 if someone wouldn't like to see him in a Cubs uniform, I'd like to have a discussion with them and see why and ask why. Why not? Because this dude, I know he's a little bit older. And, and you know what's funny? It's, I mean, and, and like, like, you know, you were talking about you were in 14 years ago, you were in junior high. I was sitting in our, in our Marquee Sports Network studios the other day when they were playing the Cardinals. And you know all the all the, all the PAs and the interns and you know the, the the kids that are working on I say kids that's how I feel old now but they asked me they said hey do you think that uh that Major League Baseball is giving Albert Pujols juiced balls so he can get to seven hundred and I was like huh and they're like well you know he's forty two <laughs> and I was like hold on a second man like what is what is this all about I'm forty four I'm like I can do more pushups than any one of you guys in this room and you guys just got out of college I'm like. 44 year olds can do stuff. You know what I'm saying? So 42 year olds can definitely do some things. And Albert Pujols is not getting juice balls. The dude can flat out swing it. That's all there is to it. But it, I just thought it was funny when, you know, the, the, the young 20 somethings were like, well, he's 42. 
you know, and I, I mean, you act like Albert Pujols is out there in, in like, you know, in a walker, like, geez, Louise, man, like give him some more Prevagen, like Albert Pujols, where are you going, Albert? You're on the on-deck circle. No, you're supposed to be at first base. Like give him some Prevagen. The guy needs to like, spruce that memory up, but no, I don't know. I, I think it's funny, but it, I, it's, I'm interested to see how, how next year goes and, and, and who they get with some of those big splash deals. Cause I think they're on the horizon. Well, Cole, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to talk. Uh, best wishes with the Cubs and Bear Essentials and Marquee. And looking forward to the next time we chat, too. Absolutely, John. Good stuff, man. Great talk there with Cole Wright. That'll do it for us today around Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Cole Wright himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim DeTalbin, to Marble Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John's Gluel. You can watch more of this show. Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! We are the turtles!